You're listening to the sixth season of Enacting the Kingdom, a podcast about the intersection of liturgy and life. I'm Father Jeffrey Reddy, Director of Orthodox Christian Studies at Trinity College, part of the University of Toronto. I'm also the Rector of Holy Merbera's Orthodox Mission in Toronto. I'm joined by my former student and good friend, Father Yuri Hladio, who pastors St. Maria of Paris Orthodox Mission in Hamilton. For our sixth season, Father Yuri and I will be making public our series on the Desert Fathers and Mothers of the Church, previously released only for our patrons. You'll be hearing the episodes exactly as they were originally released. We release special private issues for our Patreon subscribers on a weekly basis. If you like what you hear and you'd like access to more podcast content, you can go to patreon.com forward slash enacting the kingdom or go to enactingthekingdom.com and follow the link from there. For now, we hope you enjoy the public release of this episode. Welcome to the Enacting the Kingdom private podcast. You're listening to this because you've chosen to financially support this project, and Father Jeffrey and I are so grateful to have you as part of our Patreon community. As a show of our gratitude, please accept this Patreon-only episode as a special thank you. In today's society, we hear a lot about the head and the heart, right? Uh, I I think us here at Enacting the Kingdom, you and and I, Father Jeffrey, you and me, Father Jeffrey, we talk about um, the importance of including the whole body in our worship, right? We're not just thinking beings, we're also doing beings. We have a body and, you know, kissing icons, receiving the Eucharist, being baptized, you know, dipped into water. All these things are important. And one of the aspects that the Desert Fathers and Mothers point out is, you know, ideally, you should have a heart-centered spirituality. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about the Jesus prayer and, you know, uh, having the mind come down into the heart and having sort of a, a holistic, um, unified um, sense of yourself, I guess, might be a way of putting it, or maybe a unified focus. So, yeah, in today's uh, episode, we're going to be talking about heart-centered spirituality as well as thoughts, desires, and passions. Um, so yeah, I, I'll just dump, jump right into one of the sayings, Father Jeffrey, unless you wanted to uh, add any uh, preamble before we get going. Okay, perfect. Okay. Well, here is perhaps uh, one of the shortest sayings of the Desert Fathers, but perhaps one of the most profound. So here we go. Abba Pombo said, if you have a heart, you can be saved. A verse like this obviously is... Um you know, tongue in cheek in the, in the, because everybody has a heart, right? Right. Um, right. But, but hang on a minute. Do I, am I aware of it? Right. And so it, mm-hmm. it, it instantly catches you. Right. And you sort of think, well, where am I then in, in all of this? What, what have I, uh, what have I done with my heart, you know, so far? What is my heart up to? And that's one of the, the absolutely central concepts and ideas in the whole of the orthodox uh, spiritual literature right it's it's all as you mentioned things like prayer of the heart um but this you know what is our heart uh, how does it work what is it busy doing when it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing which is loving god and loving you know our, our neighbor and what is a heart after all you know and, and do I really have one that's that's working in in the way that that it should be? Because if it did, then I could be saved, right? Or I would be saved. So mm-hmm. um, it's 
I mean, we can begin there, really. What is the the heart in terms of um, biblical understanding, in terms of you know the patristic you know teaching and so forth? Because we've been distorted in in the way that we think about the heart um, in our modern era. Because as things got more and more kind of head centered, rationalistic, and so mm-hmm. forth over the last couple hundred of years or, or longer now, you know, certainly since the enlightenment, the, the heart has become a kind of symbol for a reaction within and against that. Right. And, and it's principally associated now with the, the romantic period. And, and so you get this opposition that we have between the head and the heart. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, famously, um, you know, the, there was a, a kind of expression that um, was made at the time when you know the, um, the of the abdication uh, of Edward the um, Eighth. Mm-hmm. You know, the, Wallace Simpson, who was marrying the American divorcee, um, said that you know the heart has its reasons that the, you know that the head doesn't know, kind of thing, right? So um, she wrote a book about about that, and so that that, that real opposition between head and heart is almost at the, the core of our, our culture. Well, that's not the heart that we're talking about here. In, in biblical terms, um, the Greek kardia, uh, the Hebrew lev, um, is the center of the human person. It's the, the kind of center of, of volition, of, of willing things, of desiring things. Um, not so much emotions, but, but really of kind of orientation of our of our whole life so on it's simultaneously that the kind of you know i think closest what we would say today is that we have a gut feeling about something we think with our guts in a, in a way would, that would be the the sense that you have in the scriptures of, of how the heart you know leads but it, it's simultaneously that in a kind of unique role within our human personality but it's also then that kind of synecdoche a representation of the whole of our lives right so where our hearts are there the totality of our being, you know, is, which is something which our Lord suggests in, in the um, Sermon on the Mount, right? Where, where your hearts are, their, their treasure will be also. Um, so this idea of attending to the heart, of, of centering ourselves within our hearts is about taking in the fullness of, of who we are, right? Because if we just talk about minds or intellects uh, in that rational sense, we can have a lot of ideas about things, but it doesn't necessarily translate, as you're just saying, in terms of bodily action, in terms of of the way we even work within the world. Very little of what we ever do is thought about, right? It's all habit. It's it's just done by by rote. It's done because of our bodily memory and and, and so forth. Um, or if we just feel things, you know, in that kind of romantic sense of heart that we've taken on in our uh, modern era, then. You know that that neither touches our our thoughts nor our, our behaviors either. So to to have a properly biblically grounded um, understanding of of you know a heart centered spirituality here is is to be simultaneously attending to the part of us that is really guiding everything about us. It's our desires, our loves, where we worship ultimately, but also taking in everything about us, right? So all of our thoughts, our emotions, our behaviors, all of that is implied. But what's governing us is this instrument ultimately of knowledge, right? 
of knowledge of God. The heart is the lens, the instrument within us for knowing God. And if we've directed our hearts in the right place, then everything else kind of comes into proper focus and proper alignment and is, is heading you know, in the right direction. So in that sense, Abba Pambo said, if you have a heart, you know about this faculty, uh, which is representative of the totality of your being, you can be saved because you can you have a fighting chance to kind of direct it in in the right way. Otherwise, we have hearts, yes. And now, if you read the you know the philokalia and the spiritual literature, what happens is that faculty gets it is functioning, but is malfunctioning in the sense of being attached to everything else, you know, kind of around us. Right, and this is where we get into things like uh, misdirected passions and and uh, loves and so forth. Where w- rather than using our hearts to know and love God, by not being aware of our hearts, we we come to to know and love and worship everything else other than God, which is the principal spiritual problem of the scriptures, which is idolatry. And we've talked about that one before. Mm-hmm. Anything you you love ahead of God is an idol and the, everything that is sinful and and wrong and disordered about the human person it ha- starts with hearts that are not functioning properly because we all have hearts i mean contra abba mambo uh, sorry pambo we have hearts um but we're not aware of them and therefore they're malfunctioning and and therefore they we are ultimately worshiping everything else other than god including ourselves and it's be- becoming aware therefore, of having a heart that gives us a chance to right. trust again and love again and redirect ourselves in the, in the proper line, ultimately in line with our proper nature, right? Because everything, all these other loves are unnatural. And the only truly natural love is a love of God and therefore of neighbor. And once we have that, we can say we properly have functioning hearts and therefore can be saved. Yeah, like as you were talking, Father Jeffrey, my mind just kept going to my own personal, perhaps bad habits of Netflix and YouTube, which are my drugs of choice. Um, that that a lot of these systems, um, you know, social media and things like that, are are often built to help us forget about our hearts, right? To to work on impulse, uh, commercials, fast food. Um, to really just function on impulse. But, you know, I'm looking at another saying uh, down the line here, one of from Abba Piman. says, Abba Piman says, do not give your heart to that which does not satisfy your heart. And I think that, you know, we get as, as, as particularly in our, our, our modern culture, but I think throughout all of history, for some reason, us humans just have this tendency to want to give our hearts to things that are not actually going to satisfy our hearts at all. Um, and I think that's maybe accentuated with some of the um, ways that we've tapped into uh, the deepest parts of our brains um, and the reward systems through things like social media and Netflix and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah precisely. I, and and you use the word drug there. And I think that's absolutely what we spend most of our time doing, which is kind of numbing ourselves. It's, it's a hard business to face up to these things, to go into one's cell and to take up this pilgrimage, this journey deep within, and to take up that struggle. And so 
most, almost everything we ever do is to try to numb ourselves to that possibility, right? And we feed ourselves on things that are counterfeit uh, representations of our proper desires, right? And so if God is, is and should be the totality of our heart-centered lives, and and spilling over then into love for for the world for others but if that that should be what we fill ourselves with well then we find all the cheap substitutes you know for that and it's not to say that all those things in and of themselves are are evil but when they are replacing god they become the the the, the drugs that that just numb us against the pain or the suffering of of that ultimate struggle right so that we 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 take you know, counterfeit beauty for true beauty. We take counterfeit truth for true truth. Uh, and all of these things just become the the ephemeral, temporarily satisfying things. And all we can do is just pile more upon more of them, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the real struggle. And so um, absolutely, um, the, this, we should be seeking what properly satisfys our heart. So, so there's, there are two things here. I mean, one is to, to find out that we have a heart, that it, it is actually there. And although it's malfunctioning and latching on to all these other things that it shouldn't be, let's find it and kind of, you know, clean it, right? Purify it. And then secondly, let's make sure that what we're going after to fill our hearts is the real deal and not just the counterfeit goods that we often, you know, try to feed it. Um, and and, and in, in those two things is the whole of the spiritual life, right? And, and that kind of sums up everything that you'll find in the, the spiritual literature. It's what's implied in all of the Desert Fathers and Mothers here. It's what you find in the Philokalia. It's what you find in in the, in the, the whole heart-centered, hesychastic tradition of the church. Find your heart, purify it, and then latch on to what that heart was designed to do. Because all these other things have their place. Right, but they are secondary and contingent. They are not the real thing that we are supposed to be doing. And yet, what do we do day in and day out? We just settle and settle and settle again for all of of the um, debased substitutes for what we're properly created for. I'd like to read one more saying in this theme of heart-centered spirituality before we move on to the next one. Um, and it's a saying from Abba Piman again. Uh, Abba Piman said, The nature of water is soft, that of stone is hard. But if a bottle is hung above the stone, allowing the water to fall drop by drop, it wears away the stone. So it is, <clears throat> excuse me, so it is with the word of God. It is soft and our heart is hard. But the man who hears the word of God often opens his heart to God. This reminds me a little bit of our last episode, you know, give me a word and then going away and let and working with it or, um, or the way that we um, contextualize it in our own time is sometimes you don't need to worry about reading the Bible in a year or taking these. I need to make sure I'm reading an hour of the Bible every day. Maybe it's one verse that you sit with and let it drop, drop, drop on your heart. Um, and creating that practice of of contemplation. It's a beautiful image, isn't it? Because, you know, precisely as Abba Piman says, I mean, 
you know, wouldn't think of that drop of water as having much power, right? Uh, but it's attending to it, making full use of it, and consistently sticking with it that em- eventually erodes even the hardest of, of stone. And what a powerful metaphor that is for, you know, precisely, you know, this kind of thing. So everything that will be implied and we're just saying about, you know, reorienting and, and, and our hearts and, and purifying them and, and filling them with the right things. It has to be about consistent, deliberate, habitual behavior, right? I mean, that's the only way. I mean, I, I, I find myself more than anything else as a pastor reminding people of, of this, right? That it's, there's no quick fix, in the spiritual life. It's not like, here's the idea. Once you have this idea, everything will be sorted for you. Or get this book, read this, and your life will be in, in, in order. Or, you know, do this one thing once and, and everything will, will align. It doesn't work that way. It takes the drop by drop by drop erosion of the stone of our hearts by the word of God for us to, to make any, any progress here and stick with it and that the progress is imperceptible most of the time you know even going back the next day to the drop on the stone you will hardly see a difference a week later you know a year later okay it starts to to show it's only retrospectively looking back and saying hang on a minute this grand canyon was carved out by water uh, that you notice right so it we have to i think take an almost end of all things perspective, as we would normally counsel in this program here, right? That eschatological vision of being taken to a place where we can see from the end. Well, that's what the liturgy does for us, actually. That's the opportunity we have in Christian liturgy, particularly in the Eucharist, that we're brought to the place where we've seen the work already complete. That's what gives us hope and courage and and inspiration to go back to the drop by dropness of our lives, right? And that habit formation and, and sticking with it, even when it doesn't seem like anything's changing. Well, when we receive communion, we're brought to the end, the banquet of the kingdom. We can look backwards and we see the Grand Canyon has been carved out by that water. And yet we need to then return again to the world and re- return to this deliberate careful stability and consistency of, of habit formation. And there's no cheap solutions here. There's no easy shortcuts um, in the spiritual life. And uh, I, there's something about the, you know, casual, you know, uh, consumer culture that we have that's really, really distorted our vision you know, these things. We think that Christianity is going to work like the vending machine. We put the right thing in and that the whole solution pops out. And it's just not not like that. And and the, you know, the, the church fathers, the desert fathers and mothers here are reminding us, us of this all the time, that we just have to be consistent with it. Now, by emphasizing the work that we have to do to be consistent, in no way takes away, I think it's important to to recognize, from the fact that this is 100% grace, right? And part of that liturgical, eschatological aspect of this is a reminder too, not only of the end and of our direction, our purpose, and of our goal, 
but a reminder too that this is 100% grace. Not one step, not one drop of that process of the water eroding our hearts is from us. It's God's grace. But nevertheless, we have to be there to catch the drops, right? We can't be taking our stones elsewhere and expecting it to, to have any effect. So, so we're not emphasizing here a works righteousness or a theology of, of it's all on us or even half us or whatever. It's, it's 100% the grace of God. But to receive that grace is what we have to be a, a consistent about. We have to be in the place to receive God's love, forgiveness, and transforming spirit that we can be brought to where he wants us to be as full human beings. Building on everything we've been talking about, about heart-centered spirituality, like to be able to do some of this stuff, like those habits and all that kind of stuff, it actually is hard. It, it can be hard work at times. And in this next little section, we're going to talk about thoughts, desires, and passions. And um, I'll read two sayings, Father Jeffrey, to, to uh, bring us into this section here. The first one is from uh, sayings from Abba Zosimas. It was well said once by a wise person that the soul has ha uh, has as many masters as it has passions. And again, the apostle says, people are slaves to whatever masters them. And we talked a little bit about that um, previously. And then there's a saying here from uh, Abba uh, Amonas. Abba Amonas who was asked, what is the narrow and hard way? He replied, the narrow and hard way is this, to control your thoughts, to strip yourself of your own will for the sake of God. This is also the meaning of the sentence, lo, we have left everything and followed you. Um, and actually, I'm going to read one more, Father Jeffrey. I'm going to read one more mm -hmm. to, to display um, kind of that, that the work that goes into focusing our minds and our hearts. Um, this one's from Ama Syncletica. Emma Syncletica said, In the beginning, there are a great many battles and a good deal of suffering for those who are advancing towards God and, and afterwards, ineffable joy. It is like those who wish to light a fire. At first, they are choked by smoke and cry, and by this means, and by this means obtain what they seek, and it is said, our God is a consuming fire. So we also must kindle the divine fire in ourselves through tears and hard work. Hmm. I guess a question here might be if we were to sort of take everything we've talked about and everything we've read and look at our lives now, like you did talk about grace and, and things, but I mean, it takes work and like, is that might be discouraging for some people. Um, like it's hard work and, and people might not even want to try to begin focusing our thoughts, you know, um, reorienting our desires and redeeming our passions. Like there's, it's, it's hard work and I can easily, there's, there's a reason why not many people went into the desert and I'm wondering how exactly this might apply to our listeners and, and Orthodox Christians in our, in our culture. Well, yeah, there's no question that it's far easier to take up that Netflix habit that you referred to, um, mm -hmm. or any, one of the many countless ways that we numb ourselves against this kind of struggle, right? And, and throughout human history, although we've emphasized how much today this is happening through, you know, entertainment culture, consumer culture, um, all of the wealth and prosperity that we surround ourselves with, the busyness of our lives. I mean, the reality is it has always been the case, as you say, in the third and fourth, fifth centuries when these 
Amas and Abbas were, were struggling in the desert. There were a lot of people who had settled culturally in the towns, you know, in this kind of veneer of Christianity where they were just wrapping that around an ordinary human life, which was doing whatever you did in the third century in Alexandria or wherever else to numb yourself to the struggle, right? There's no question that it's always been difficult. Now, we may face particularly, you know, rich challenges today, uh, just simply because we're not struggling for much at all anymore. I mean, one thing that the pandemic has has done is maybe lift a little bit of a veil on on what it means to be a struggling human being again we've just taken so much for granted right and so the numb numbness is built in to our culture um in a way that uh it, you know is, is maybe slightly more pronounced than other times in human history where people actually had to struggle to eat or struggle to get shelter or to 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 achieve health you know in by we come to these things by default you know today so so absolutely it, there's no question we have to admit from the beginning here that we have to choose to struggle right we have to choose to make this a project but i mean the only thing to to kind of counter that with is precisely what Ama Sincletica just said in, in what you read there. Um, afterwards, ineffable joy, right? Uh, there's no question that the people who make this effort are capable of a kind of human living, of human doing, of human being that is far more satisfying than all of the the things that we do to just numb ourselves those counterfeits that we're talking about uh you know and it doesn't mean that those people necessarily have achieved human comfort in the worldly sense right think of some of the most fulfilled human beings that we can think of people who maybe that we you know admire you know somehow despite all these cultural norms that that we have nevertheless people do stand head and shoulders above those and they're often people who've suffered greatly in their lives or or given up great material comfort in order to achieve that that wholeness but we recognize i think there's a, a gut <laughs> a heart within us that that recognizes that you know, despite everything our culture, our society is selling to us, there's a better way of being, right? And those of us who call ourselves Christians only do so because I think we get that at some level. We get that when we look at Jesus. We get that when we look at the saints. We get that when we look at what the church, you know, is saying. But we just don't take it seriously enough to actually put anything in, into practice. And this is where, as I say, the, the, the principal thing that Desert Fathers and Mothers offer to us is this arrow into a Christianity taken seriously, into a Christianity that actually makes a difference, into a gospel that is believed and put into practice. And if we properly understand that there is more to human existence than, than just kind of seeing how many Netflix series you can get through between now and when you die. I mean, put that way, I mean, it hardly seems like an attractive point to, to life. And yet, 
it seems to be what most of us, you know, would do or some version thereof, right? Um, you know, uh, how many seasons of NFL are you going to be able to watch before you die, Father Yuri? That sort of thing. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's not that there's no good in those things. And that's the important thing to emphasize here. It's not that those things are inherently evil, but as replacements for the purpose of human existence, I mean, it, it makes no sense. Why would we try to settle for that? So what we're ultimately suggesting here is the gospel, the story of God, the pattern of Jesus Christ, the in, in, immersion into his life, baptism into his, into his death, and therefore into the life of the resurrection, the life of the age to come. These things matter so much that, that we really should be willing to um, leave everything and follow Christ, as um, Abba Amunas said in that quote that you just gave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, is there any other way of, of doing this other than saying that that ultimately leads to ineffable joy? And if we could properly communicate that to ourselves, first of all, you know, into our own hearts, and then to the world around us, I mean, we're, we're actually offering something tremendous and profound and and the only point of all of this we actually exist we are here the, you know this isn't made up what are we going to do with that and are we going to you know buy expensive phones and crush candy is that the point of life are we going to actually attend to the ultimate point of existence full stop which is the ineffable joy of knowing god and so uh, the I'm sure that we could do, be doing a much better job of that, first of all, for ourselves, secondly, for those around us. But will everybody and everywhere, you know, that will that message be heard? I, I can't believe so, because it's, it's certainly not been the case, you know, through time. Most people seem to want to settle for, for the counterfeits um, and uh, be quite satisfied with just putting in time, you know, and just seeing how much they can accomplished in terms of the those secondary goods um, in the world around us. They're meant to be signs. They're not to be enjoyed in and of themselves. This was, you know, the this is the Saint Augustine um, you know, theology of the thing that everything as it is can be used either for itself, in which case it kind of just stops there, right? Or it can be used as a sign leading us onwards and upwards towards the whole point of the thing where you know, although our hearts are restless until then, they will find their rest, you know, in God. And so that's why, you know, we don't say everything is evil, only God is good. We say there are goods, but those goods, small g, are meant to lead us to the big G, good God. And if only we could to use the world properly, including film, television, sports, beauty, truth, etc. These should be signs that lead us onwards and upwards towards God himself. And um, that's where this struggle with, you know, the the heart-centered spirituality, the struggle against thoughts, desires, passions, it all turns on this. How are we moving, you know, towards this ultimate good and joy, ineffable joy in the life of God? And if only we could sell that to ourselves first, um, and then secondly, to the world around us. Today, we'll be giving uh, the last word to Abba Anthony. When the holy Abba Anthony lived in the desert, he was beset by despondency and attacked by many sinful thoughts. He said to God, Lord, I want to be saved, but these thoughts do not leave me alone. What shall I do in my affliction? 
how can I be saved? A short while afterwards, when he got up to go out, Anthony saw a man like himself sitting at his work, getting up from his work to prayer. It was an angel of the Lord sent to correct and reassure him. He heard the angel saying to him, Do this and you will be saved. At these words, Anthony was filled with joy and courage. He did this and he was saved. Well, that does it for another episode of the private podcast of Enacting the Kingdom. Thank you again for all your support. Please feel free to comment with any follow-up thoughts or questions. Father Jeffrey and I read them all. Looking forward to having you back soon.